Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, Kulays. Welcome to the Barca Talk Cafe. I am Gabriel Quiroga, your host here in Madrid, Spain. And we are in the dog days of summer, so we thought we'd change it up a little bit. Usually, going forward, Mariana Guzman joins me for the Barca Talk, and she will. But unfortunately, she had a scheduling conflict. But it is my esteemed pleasure to bring Nicholas, one of our patrons, in. And we're starting a new segment with this summer. We wanted to get to know some of our patrons since we have a worldwide membership, just kind of get to know our patrons a bit further. So, Nicholas, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Um, hi, Gabriel. Thank you very, very much for that introduction. Um, I'm doing very, very well. I'm quite excited to be here, actually. Yeah, we just have some questions. I want to I get to know more about your Barcelona fandom. But before we get into that, uh, you know, we here at Barca Talk, we have been, you know, trying to include more of our patrons. And so really quick, just to kind of go through the schedule, we're going to have this this summer, especially for June and July. We're going to continue the Barca Talk, but we're going to move that to Wednesday. We're going to do a couple hangouts because a couple of our patrons asked for that to do a couple hangouts just to kind of get to know each other a little bit further. And then on top of that, we'll continue with the scouting and obviously we'll try to get through all the rumors that are happening through the transfers. So, Nicholas, first of all, where are you based? I know you're Europe-based. Where are you based now? Mm. Um, I'm living in Switzerland. I was okay. born in Germany in 1997, but we've been living here in Switzerland for 17 years now. Um, yeah, I'm studying here in St. Gallen. It's a city actually not too far away from Winterthur, where our dear Mr. Gumper is from, actually. I'd <laughs> like to mention that. Um, and yeah, Switzerland-based. Nice, nice. And how did you become a Barca fan? I mean, you know, I always tell my story, especially, you know, coming from the States, I have a very unique kind of background, especially since I played football. It's kind of this weird thing that just kind of, you know, with Ronaldo meeting or seeing him in practice back in 1994. But how did you kind of become a Barca fan? Mm, um, also a longer story, actually, because my family is not really a football family, footballing family. Nobody in my family really follows football actively. It's more of a, you know, tennis family. My grandfather is a big tennis fan. And I am as well. I was uh, very, very happy for Rafa to win the, the 14th crown in, in Paris. I absolutely love him. I'm a big fan of his. Um, and my connection to him is also related to my connection to Barca. Um, my grandmother, when she was retiring from her work in, I think it was early 2000s or something, she uh, moved to Mallorca. Um, so ever since I was born, I've been going to Mallorca every summer. 
So, um, and Barcelona with these high-speed ferries is about just, what is it, four or five hours away. Yeah. Um, and in 2005, my father took me to the Gamper Trophy uh, in, in Barcelona. It was a game against, uh, I think, yeah, it was Juventus. I think Barca lost. Um, but it was great. I absolutely loved it. It was great. It was like this buzzing stadium is full. It was, it was just an incredible atmosphere. Um, and for someone who had never watched a football game, it was just crazy. So you could say that through Barca, I kind of discovered my love for football. And then in the following years, I watched the World Cups. Um, I watched Barca games regularly. Um, and I fell in love with their, with their style, with their, with their, with the way in which they, um, in which they way play football. That's a really awesome story. I mean, you know that I'm a tennis lover too. I just got back from Paris uh, two weekends ago. I was able to see, I was able to attend the French Open for the first time, and now that's going to be an annual thing for me. And like you, I'm a huge Rafa fan. Unfortunately, he's a Madrid Madridista, but that's okay. Yeah, it's always. Uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, we, I still have the the same respect and admiration for what he's done. But again, it's kind of one of those things, you know. It's interesting how these different dynamics in our life kind of bring us to these sporting uh, yeah. events. Like you said, it went, you went to the Gamper. You you spend a lot of summers, all your summers, basically in Mallorca, which is one of the best places you can, you know, with the beaches and and, <laughs> yeah. and all the the resources there. So, you know, that's that's a really cool story and. Could you tell me, like, what is your favorite Barca moment that you can kind of pin um, maybe that maybe helped drive your fandom even further? Yeah, I mean, I have several moments along the along the thing. I mean, I think sort of my favorite Barca moment is that first time in the stadium because it was just, just I remember, I don't have a very concrete me- memory of it because I was still very young. But yeah. um, this moment being in this buzzing stadium in this... It's just crazy. Um, and then my the, my favorite moment of the more recent history of of, of, of Barca is the La Remontada. Um, is actually it's one of my absolute favorite moments. Um, it was not a great season overall, but this sure. moment it was just it was just um, um, yeah, it's just something that just Barca can do somehow. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember. The, the funny thing is, I remember I had a super nice evening. I had some super nice food, and I watched the game, and then it went off quite well. But then Cavani scored, and I was like, "This is going to be terrible." And I went, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I was like, "Okay, this is over now." And I went to clean the dishes, and in those moments, they started scoring goals, and I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I was there right in the moment for for Sergio uh, goal in the end. That was, was we went nuts. It was there with some friends, and we went crazy. It was so good. Yeah, that's 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 a good moment. And I, you know, it's funny because I remember that moment as was the moment, the last match that I watched streaming and I decided to get cable here in Spain because I remember specifically that night I could not find a link to watch mm-hmm. the match. And oh. yeah, and everything was delayed, obviously. And, you know, I was trying to follow Twitter at the same time. And I remember the next day I was like, I can't live like this, especially if I'm having a podcast. I got to watch this. I have to have a way to be able to always watch the match. So I always remember that mm-hmm. as the last the last match I had <laughs> for free. So now I have the Movistar package here, so I always am able yeah. to watch the matches, obviously. But, yeah, that's that's definitely a great yeah. moment. I think also in that match, it's one of those, I think, moments that we look back now where it was kind of the last 
messy and company moments, you know, where we were yeah. still magic. You know, there was still magic with the team where anything was yeah. possible. But unfortunately, that run ended very quickly. So, I, yeah, I mean, I, you know, looking back now, it's kind of funny how in the moment we're just kind of like, oh, next season, you know, next season. And now looking back, it's, you know, it was definitely toward, you know, coming to an end and we just didn't know. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, that's, that's a great it's sort of It sort of marks like a break in the, in the whole thing. It was everything before that was sort of really successful. And then after that, yeah. sort of the, the cut. Um, yeah, yeah. And we, st- we started to get exposed for our flaws more often, especially yeah. in Champions League. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Really quick your review of this season i know we've been you know obviously in our whatsapp group we've been seeing engaging different comments and different kind of the sentiment of the group and so forth but what is your pulse you know going forward especially this off season and this next season how do you see the team you know getting you know potential signings and how do you think they look for the upcoming season yeah yeah i mean i've saw the points when you sent them yesterday to me and and this one i have to say really gave me some some thinking because i've just tried to look back on this on this season it's it's been a weird season it's been really weird but for me three things sort of come out like as three strong strong points in there and those would be sort of a failed season like a season to forget it's a transition transition season and mm, a season of hope like all of these three elements somehow together, like uh, a failed season, obviously, because we've been massively underperforming in any of the competitions that we that we entered. I mean, uh, out in the group stage in the Champions League, that's usually a no-no for us. Um, and then while second place in La Liga might look really good for us, it's not as good as it seems because the difference between Madrid and us is just very good, uh, very big, sorry. Yeah. And... Um, uh, and then also Copa del Rey was was done very early, and the way in which we exited uh, the the Europa League is just really a season to forget. And then the transition season that was mainly related to what happened in summer when Messi left, um, because I mean it was it was on the horizon sort of that he was going to leave at some point, but no matter when he was going to leave, it was always going to be sort of a transition that was going to be kicked off because I mean above the 40 plus GA that he's that he's contributing every season he's just this you know this this aura this this thing of a person you know he's the, the spearhead of the project of the club in in a way and you know always when you had him on the field it was a sort of a feeling of inevitability you know he could always come up with something and they gave the team sort of a confidence and um that was always going to trigger some sort of a change some sort of a transition so while I hate that word, I really don't like it because we should never use it. It is sort of a transition season as well. And then hope, because there is, in my eyes, a lot of hope as well. Um, when Xavi came in, who is, by the way, my all-time favorite Barca player, okay. I absolutely love him. Um, he sort of, he has this, he, he understands the club in a way that nobody else does. Um, I think he is a footballing genius. Um, I think he has all of the tools that are necessary for a Barca coach to 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 succeed. He knows the way in which the club works. He knows the philosophy um, that it is also for us and more of a game and everything. And then apart from him, also these small you know rays of sunshine that we have in our players. Pedri is absolutely outstanding. Ansu Fati when he's firing is great. Um, Gabi 
lion, heart of a lion, um, Araujo, the absolute born leader. Like these players, they give me a lot of hope. And I'm happy that we able, that we were able to, you know, renew a lot of them. Gavi is still outstanding, which is a bit worrying, but well, we'll see. So if we bring in some clever reinforcements in the summer, I think the next season might not be an amazing season, but it will be better than the last, I think. That's my... Yeah, I think that that's a good summary on all the things. And I think if I, for me, it felt like one of the longest seasons that I can remember just because yeah. of all the different stages that we had. You know, it seems... For example, last off season seems like ten years ago, you know, with with Messi leaving, and then all of a sudden with the Kuman drama, and then also the performance yeah. of the team at the beginning, and then Xavi coming along, and all, like you said, these rays of hope, which I think ultimately gives most Kules the hope for this yeah. off season, you know, and yeah, again, it's it's really difficult. I mean, again, I still, you know, you listen to me rant and rave. I still want to see more youth in this team, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to Busquets and Alba. You know, for example, I was watching the Spanish national team, and I'm just like, I can't believe that there's no one that can, you know, outperform Alba on the Spanish level because he's still playing <laughs> on the Spanish team, you know. And sure enough, yeah. he's still making the same mistakes as he does with Barca. And yeah. like we just saw on the WhatsApp too as well, Eric Garcia as well. So there's going to be a lot of growing pains, I think, for these next two or three yeah. seasons. You know, we're not going to be as dominant, but I definitely think we're in the right direction. I just want to see more youth because that is something I can always hold yeah. on to, you know, especially with La Masia players. Something that I really want to see is, as you said, I mean, Alba is one of your favorite topics. And I want to see someone, <laughs> I really want to see someone challenging him. I really want to see someone, I mean, if, if we can get somehow someone young, it would be amazing. I have, there's some players that I would find very interesting, most notably Borna Sosa from, from Stuttgart would be super interesting. Um, and then I think something that will also be absolutely crucial in the next season, next two or three seasons is the replacement of Busquets. As you said, it. I mean, these two, I mean, it's it's like a, a difficult situation because they are so important to the way in which we play football. And that makes them as, as amazing as they are. It makes them also very difficult to replace. Like um, people always, I think Busquets is, for example, one, in my eyes, one of the most underestimated players in, in, in world football because what he does is so important but it always remains invisible to to most of the mm-hmm. spectators and replacing him is just super difficult and i don't think i don't know if nico will be up to the task i don't think so um we will have to find someone there that's like i think the big thing one of the big things well, yeah I, I mean i would like to experiment with eric garcia there that's what i would think maybe mm. something with that because yeah. then he's not the last line of defense you know like for example last week you know, he makes a mistake and it and it goes right to a goal, you know, and it's kind of like a silly, I feel like a professional mistake, you know, and those are, yeah. we see that peppered throughout the season. And so I think if you move him up a next level, you know, into the midfield, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the last thing, if he makes a mistake, it doesn't automatically lead to a goal, you know, so that's kind of how I yeah. would look at it. Obviously, Frankie De Jong would be a nice replacement, but again, I understand that Xavi has this supreme confidence. It's his confidence blanket, mm-hmm. you know, because he, he, he knows what he's going to do and stuff. But I just also think it, he's too old to have to be the leading midfielder yeah. in minutes again. That's that's the thing it, I'm looking for. He can't play weekend guard. He should yeah. have someone. He should definitely have a deputy. I, I mean, best would be someone who could at some point replace him. I do have to say that I thought about the Eric Garcia thing a lot. 
Um, I've heard a lot of positive, like a lot of arguments in favor, a lot of arguments mm -hmm. against. Um, I would just like to see him in a game in that position. I guess like something ideal for that would be the the the, the preseason. Now that in one of sure. the preseasons games, Xavi tries it there. I mean, would also be curious to find out whether he's already tried it in the in, in the training matches, and for example, to see if that's something that's pursued or if it's just our imagination. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. I, you know, we everyone has always been talking since January. Just wait to the off season because Xavi will have a full off season. Well, the off season's mm -hmm. here, so we'll see what happens. And more, you know, most importantly, uh, Real Madrid are in transition as well. And so, like today, for example, Modric just signed another contract. But again, mm -hmm. they are starting to look for the future midfield for themselves. And so, this is a moment, especially that Barcelona have to start fast and they cannot afford to lose that many points. They have to stay within yeah. striking distance, right? And so that's gonna be really important for La Liga this season. All right, really cool. I am got to go, got to know you a little bit here. So that was really cool about all the information and kind yeah. of your experience with Barca. Let's get into some of the, you know how we love transfer talk in our WhatsApp group. Uh, let's talk about Lewandowski. Obviously, mm -hmm. you kind of know my feelings about Lewandowski. I just think mm -hmm. the age for, for what we're going to get. But what do you think about this news now? Like, for example, uh, there was a headline, I think, yesterday. And I don't know if you saw this. Obviously, it was pro um, I think it was in German as well, like just saying that he uh, had a part of him that died. And I was just like, wow, this is really dramatic for Lewandowski, who never speaks, you know, who never speaks. And all of a sudden is is really wanting to leave Bayern. And also the things I was just reading before we recorded was just, you know, those ideas of who wants to come to Bayern if they can't uh, satisfy Lewandowski's needs and so forth. And I'm just like, ah, this is this is professional sports, you know? What is your opinion about Lewandowski? Do you think he ultimately comes to Barcelona this offseason? Um, <laughs> um, difficult, difficult. I mean, you know my feelings about Lewandowski. I have defended him in the WhatsApp group quite yeah, yeah, easily. Okay. And I have to say, I mean, your points are totally valid, but I can't help but get excited about the idea of having him in the team because he is ultra professional. He's been having great seasons with Bayern now. He's still scoring goals galore. And he's exactly the thing that we're lacking in front of goal, like this goal hunger, this just cold killer instinct. Um, I mean, we have great players. We've got Ferran, who is amazing, but doesn't have he just apparently can't score goals or still has to learn that um fati is still young and still has to recover from those two injuries Aubameyang is great but he's not Lewandowski so he's exactly the thing that we would in theory need this really killer in front of goal um as to what's been happening in the news most recently I mean it's the worst kept transfer <laughs> in in football yeah. history sort of yeah 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 um I mean, he's been actively saying that he's only considered Barca thus far. So this is really interesting. Um, I don't know how to put, I don't know how I should, should see this. It feels a bit odd the way he, the way he um, goes about all of this. The thing is, with, I mean, this is just a guess. Um, I think Bayern is a club that's just very used to getting what they want. They love authority. Mm -hmm. They're very strict. And if they say no, then it's no and nobody can do something about it. And while that is being very res respected and that has helped them a lot in, in, in their history, um, I think you really have to push very hard to get what you want from them. And maybe that's just his way to really forcing a transfer. I think what he's trying to do 
which is a bit of a sad thing because it taints his legacy at Bayern. He's trying to make himself untenable, like yeah, so that they can't play him anymore on the field. It would be it's sad because he's been doing great things with Bayern, but then again, if he really wants to leave, maybe that's the only way he sees out. I don't know. Yeah. And if he ends up at Bar- at, Bar- at Barca, whew. to be fair, like the last months last month was really confusing with like all the economic stuff in the air nobody really knows what's going on that's the stuff that really confuses me and that worries me a lot because nobody has really an idea of what's going on economically are we are we are we like a dead body swimming or <laughs> are they going to come in and 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 save us somehow with these economic levels i don't know i think he will end up but there is we haven't seen the end of the of the of the drama yet <laughs> Yeah, I think that's that's a good point. I mean, that's the biggest thing that we don't know the economics, and so we can throw out all these transfer players, but we really don't know. And that's, that's one of the things because you know Sergio Roberto was supposed to be signed and delivered as of two months ago, and it's still not mm-hmm. yeah. happened yet. You know, and you know that's one of the things I wanted to touch on is that you know they're saying by Friday, but again, we've been hearing this for a long time, and but the idea that we can't even renew you know Sergio Roberto on time. And also with the Gavi extension, as you talked about, I really think you have to expect the worst in this situation and hope for mm-hmm. anything. But my biggest thing with Lewandowski and going forward is I just don't want to be a waste station or a temporary team yeah. for these players when they're so old. Because we already have a Bamiang, for example, right? And you know, one of the reasons why we got rid of Luis Suarez is because he couldn't play defense. And I'm not saying that you know I would say Lewandowski is definitely more clinical than Suarez. But Suarez is a top, you know, top-notch striker, obviously. But I'm just worried about with Lewandowski, obviously with the age. You know, he does keep himself in great shape. But again, we're looking at the whole thing as a defense. I know he can; he's clinical in goal. But again, I don't think ultimately we lost crucial matches because we couldn't finish goals. To me, it was mm-hmm. more about the defense and allowing the other yeah. team to just have one pass and one goal, and then all of a sudden we were struggling like that. So that's kind of where yeah. I look at. I know that I know that goals and forwards are always the sexiest thing in rumors <laughs> and transfers and so forth. I get that, and that's going to bring me to my next player, Di Maria, because Di Maria is saying that uh, Barcelona have contacted him, and he said he'll go for five mil a season. What about Di Maria? Do you like that as a better pickup? and maybe to push Ferran on the right wing, especially if Dembele doesn't sign, and obviously with Adama mm-hmm. going back to Wolves. Mm. Um, Di Maria is an interesting case. Um, I remember myself thinking back in January or February when it became clear that he wouldn't um, renew with uh, PCF, that um, it would actually be an interesting player to have because he has he's very good on the ball, he, I think, is a hardworking player in the team. He has a certain, you know, this offensive creative element that you need to score goals. You need to set them up and you need to score them. And I think that, and at least in, in some sort of the creative part, he could be good replace, not a good replacement, but replace some of the contributions made by Dembele. He's not like for like, that's a completely different world. Um, as to would I like him to come? I think I would be, it, 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 with him, it's really like a question of, does he come to the, with the right conditions, like right salary and right amount of years? Like, 
uh, I've seen somewhere, I think it was yesterday or the before, day before yesterday, like a year and an additional year. So not really that much. That could be something that might work out. He would still just be a stopgap because at the moment, as it looks, we need someone on the right wing. I mean, either that's going to be Ferran, which is an option, or Dembene Renews, but that looks increasingly unlikely. And Rafinha with Leeds staying in the Premier League is just, I think, not an option anymore because they want way too much money for him. So he could be a, a decent stopgap. Would I be happy if he comes? Yeah, I guess. Would I be sad if he doesn't? Not really. <laughs> Again, I, I always have to look at these statistics because it just always reminds me. It's like mm. he played in Madrid seven years ago. Yeah. You know, he's 34. So again, the age thing frightens me because yeah. he's still he's still producing. I get all that. But at the same time, at what point does he just fall off a cliff? And then all of a sudden yeah. we're stuck with him at Barcelona. And that's always, especially in this dire economic thing, the last thing you want to do is just start to patchwork the, the sinking boat, right? It's like we need to reconstruct the boat, you know? And I know, yeah. I know there's a lot of pressure to perform. And that's what's the hardest thing right now is that we want to – compete for these trophies, but we also have to keep the vision of using the youth and so forth. Because, for example, I think Di Maria can be productive on the right wing. I think he's an upgrade than Ferran because I think he's more selfish for goal, and I think that's what Ferran Torres lacks. He's not a selfish striker, per se. But again, I just don't know what kind of production you're going to get out of Di Maria. Does he play every match and all of a sudden he's your outright starter? I mean, that's pretty crazy to me if you told me that last year. So that's you know, I know he ha he's been productive at PSG, you know, and mm -hmm. he still scores goals. I mean, that's 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 ultimately the thing. But again, I always go back. It's not really our offense that was holding us back this season. The big matches yeah. it was our defense, and it continues to be our defense. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, just mm, with with with. I mean, if if possible, I always would prefer someone younger over. Of course, someone older, someone with a lot of potential. But I think in, in La Masia, we were in the B team. We don't have anybody who could play on either of the positions at the moment. So we would have to go look outside. And as soon as you want to have someone who's like who could come in and already score a lot of goals, you are looking at incredible prices. Yeah. Prices that prices that we can't afford at the moment. And so I guess the option is just at the moment we try to sign all the players and hope that they somehow maintain their level until we have, <laughs> yeah, really just solved this economical mess that we're in. Yeah. Again, I just wish we had more transparency. I mean, because then it yeah. would give us realistic, real, you know, I understand from both sides, right? Because why would you? Because then you give everyone hope and then you can say, yeah, we tried, but he went to this mm -hmm. other team. And I also get the other side, but again, it's again you see we see all the rumors and so forth. Again, I I really want us to focus, and I really hope for the next two or three th seasons to focus on La Liga players that are under twenty three. Yeah, you know, like we did with Pedri. You know, that's the time. I know we. I'm not trying to say they're always out there. I'm just saying those are the type of players because the the risk is so much lower, right? Like you can buy a player yeah. for ten mil, and that's a that's a lower risk. Yeah, and I mean, you buy these young players. Pedri, Pablo Torre is also someone that really excites me for next season. They have a lot of, you know, they really want it. They really like hungry, and that I think is something very positive. And as to the transparency point that you brought up, I would love that as well. But I think um, when we elected, um, what's his name, uh, our president, Laporta over Laporta over font, we chose charisma over transparency. Yeah, 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 for sure. 
for sure. I mean, that's the thing, right? And again, that's why I always have like this weird dynamic because in the U.S. sports, we always know the financials. You know, we always know yeah. like what the salary cap is, what the team can can afford, who can they go after. So you're not just you know throwing you know all these rumors to the Twitter space and hopefully something lands, right? So that's the thing. <laughs> I have I have a couple last things before we sign off uh, today. Gareth Bale was offered to Hitafe. I just wanted to talk about this really quick because I just think this is so fascinating to me about this player who is world class. Has uh, Wales officially qualified for the World Cup this this winter, and is really just looking for a team just to stay in shape. But he still loves Madrid, the city, and it's I can't wrap my head around Gareth Bale being <laughs> Hitafe. This is insane to me. What do you think? I mean, a lot of, you know, I've been listening yeah. to a lot of uh, football podcasts saying that Gareth Bale is going to go to Cardiff, for example, because that's where he kind of uh, feels like his home club is. And they would kind of, you know, have a situation for him where he could just play half the season because I ultimately feel like he just wants to golf and retire. But what do you what do you think about this news? Do you think this is and by the way, Gareth Bale speaks zero Spanish. So to me, you know, going to Hitafe one of the most Madrid teams here. And I just, I just find this fascinating. It's like his agent called the president and the president confirmed that. So this is official news and so forth. I just find it fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I watched a couple of Getafe games uh, when I was in exchange in Madrid last year. Uh, it's, 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 I don't know. It's, I, I really expected him to go back to England or like Wales and stuff. Yeah. To go to one of the Premier League teams or whatever. But Getafe, that's, just it just feels it's... weird. It feels off. Yeah, like this. He's he's. I think he's still very good. I mean, I sometimes watch the Wales yeah. games, and he's he is still he still has it. But seeing him at Getafe, just I don't know, it just doesn't work for me. I have to. It has to happen, and I have to see a game. <laughs> I mean, I just think it's fascinating because it's super random. Because to yeah. me, it always seemed that, you know, especially since he hasn't really uh, fully adapted to the culture here, that he always had one yeah. foot going back to the UK, back to Wales. And so mm -hmm. to see this turnaround that he wants to stay in Hitafe to me is just is bonkers. But again, I would love to see it because I think it would give uh, Hitafe a push. And obviously he can still yeah. hope. Maybe, maybe that's the type of team he needs. Hitafe are really kind of similar to Wales. And maybe that he needs that kind of non-pressure to just be the best player and just deliver maybe that's something that could help him so that'd be I mean, interesting maybe he just maybe he's just going to use it you know as a ramp to just yeah. show, show how good he is and then land one big last contract either in the u.s or china or wherever and uh, sign off again i just can't i mean he has five champions leagues i mean that's that's insane <laughs> to me that's more than I mean, messy i just always want to say that it's insane i mean you know? Would be amazing, wouldn't would be amazing if he goes to Getafe and then in the game against Madrid, especially in the Bernabeu scores a goal or something. That would just be, <laughs> that would be so I good. can see that. I can see that. I can totally see that. Uh, last thing before you leave, before we leave, we have a good question from Kim, um, one of our awesome patrons who does the morning newspaper for us. And he just had a, a really interesting question about talking about how Kool-Aids can be united off the pitch. What are your thoughts on this? Because obviously, you know, there have been a lot of fans that have joined Barcelona in the recent years. Obviously, Messi bringing so many new fans and so forth. But now these are, you know, as we talk about, these are trying times now. You know, we're not as great as we once were. The games are not as predictable. 
the games, you know, we're still trying to find our style. There is still hints of the Barca DNA, yeah. but it's sometimes hard to see and the matches are hard to watch sometimes. So what are your kind of suggestions for this kind of, you know, United to become again, especially during this transition period for Barca? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a question that I also like highlighted it in the chat um, because I thought about it very recently in a context that was a bit of an unpleasant one. I was in Madrid when they won the, the 14th Cup in the Champions League and my girlfriend, who happens to be a Real Madrid fan, about her only flaw, um, <laughs> made me go to the victory parade. Oh, and, yeah, it was it was it was artist. It was terrible. Uh, I was really I really felt humiliated there. Um, I was like about the only person who wasn't cheering or anything. I was, there. <laughs> I was just there watching. But something I realized something is like the fan base there is very united. They are very strong. They showed up in big numbers. They said something in the region of 60, 80, 60 to 80,000 people that went to the victory parade and everything. And they walked in the night. They walked all the way from the stadium to Cibeles where they celebrate and stuff. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is something that we're lacking at the moment. There's like, it just feels, I mean, I haven't been in Barcelona for a long time now, but it just feels like, especially the, the Frankfurt game in the Europa League showed that there's like a sort of, yeah, the fan Disconnect. base is just not disconnect yeah yeah and and while i don't know for barcelona itself and like all the the sothies and stuff how you can get those back i think things as we do them like these whatsapp groups where we talk about the players facebook groups just meeting every now and then together to watch the games together these are the things i think that we have to to really like also we as longtime football fans Barca fans really like force and show like how great the culture is to be a, a coolie and just get the trust back in the club and in the team and stuff. I think that may, that's maybe the way. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, one of our patrons, Victor, said, you know, go find a find a, a pena and go support mm-hmm. that way. That's another way to find other groups like that, which I think is a great way too. Again, you know, it's it's difficult because, you know, when you are a sports fan and a sports fan of a certain team, you're going to have peaks and valleys. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. how it is. It's really is, yeah. it's really hard to be on top, you know, and I always talk about my NBA fandom my whole life. I never thought my Warriors would ever be good. And here they are in the finals. And I appreciate every moment because. I remember when I was a kid, I would go to the matches for free because I couldn't get anyone to go to these games, you know? So it's kind of one of these things you just always, you know, there's always these transition periods and that's how you stay faithful because when you do win again, you appreciate those moments of losing the toughness, you know, where things didn't go right, you know? And so, mm-hmm. again, uh, I was in Paris, you know, on the French Open, so I was watching the the final. And again, I'm just... I'm just fascinated by this because as we talk about as being a Kool-Aid, there's the two things. We love the style and we also love the winning. And how does mm-hmm. that merge? You know, and it's really hard, you know, especially for example, with my friends here in Madrid, for example, I come back to work after the weekend in France. Mm-hmm. My friend says, uh, hey, uh, do you see uh, Real Madrid won their 14th uh, Champions League? I said, of course I did. I said, he said, maybe you should change your podcast to a real Madrid. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. So yeah, yeah. The, the trolling that goes here, you know, is to me especially, you just have to, you know, uh, move on, right? And But at the same time, you know, like we talked about earlier, these 
these four players on our team right now give us ultimate hope because they are world-class players that we have. And more mm -hmm. importantly, we grew them, you know, and I also, also yeah. feel like that's always something, a connection we have to Barca when you compare them to Madrid, for example. Let me give you really quick before we, we sign off. For example, they were talking about some players that Madrid were looking at. And I remember the first thing they said about him, they're like, he's tall. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I said, what? How is that? <laughs> I was like, again, just how Madrid look for players. Right? They're like, he's tall and he's fast. And I'm like, wow. I mean, great. What else does he do? Amazing. You know? Yeah, yeah. So I, I thought that was kind of uh, funny on how they were scouting uh, some of the players that Madrid were looking at. It's like, he's tall. I'm like, great. Uh, great. Awesome. Uh, anyway, we'll sign off on that. We're going to have more news, obviously, with the coming weeks. Nicholas, thank you for joining me. It was really a pleasure to speak to you and get to know you a little bit. And now I have a face to put to your WhatsApps now in the group, which is awesome. So thank you for joining me on this uh, Wednesday evening. Thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Sports Social Podcast Network.